What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It is good to be with you. If you just stumbled upon the podcast for the first time, welcome. We really are glad to have you. Uh, we're just a bunch of guys who are trying to take our faith, our family, and our marriage very seriously. We'd love to have you come be part of that uh, community, part of our community. Uh, and the best way to do that is to go to dadtired.com and then click the community tab, and that will link you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook. And there's uh, thousands of guys from around the world in that group who are taking their faith their family and their marriage very seriously. And again, we'd love to have you come hang out with us there. Uh, you'll also see when you're on dadtired.com that we have a devotional out. It's a fairly new devotional. Uh, it's called Stop Behaving. It's a gospel-centered devotional for men. And the whole goal of the devotional is to not just that we would change our behavior, because uh, behavior change typically doesn't last, but that we want Jesus to change our hearts. And as a result of our heart being changed, our behavior will change. Uh, behavior change comes as a result of heart change. So if you have not picked up that book, Stop Behaving, uh, we'd love to have you pick that up. You can do that again at dadtired.com. There are many, many of you who are leaving reviews of the podcast each week. And again, I just want to say thank you guys for doing that. It's super helpful, man. Uh, when people are looking through iTunes and trying to figure out what podcasts they should listen to, most of us, like all of us, regardless of what kind of purchase we're making or what we decide to get into, we use reviews. And so when I'm looking for a podcast, I'm looking to see how well it's reviewed. When I'm looking at books, I, I'm looking for the best reviewed books. And when I'm looking for uh, golf clubs or bat or Christmas toys or whatever, uh, I'm, I said bat because me and my son have been hitting baseballs a lot lately. Uh, but whatever I'm looking for, I, I judge it by review. So uh, if you would, if you if you enjoy this podcast, if it's encouraging to you, just leave your honest feedback. It's helpful. If you hate it, you don't need to leave a re review. There's no, no pressure. Uh, you could skip out on that. Maybe just send me a note and tell me what you think I could change. Uh, and I will definitely read it and uh, ask God to realign my identity in him and not what you think of me. Anyway, tangent. Um, for those of you that have left a review, thank you. For those of you who have listened to the podcast and found encouragement by it, if you would just pause it for a moment to leave a review, that's always super helpful. Today is August or October uh, 29th. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon. It's typically when I record podcasts on Sundays. They come out on Monday. Most of you are probably listening to this on Monday. Um, and this week is Halloween, obviously. And I get a lot of questions often. People are asking me like, what, Jared, what are your thoughts on Halloween? Do you celebrate Halloween? Do you take your kids trick or treating? And, um, and so here's the thing, as I was thinking about this, for some of you, when you hear that question, you're like, why are we even asking the question of, of course you celebrate Halloween? Of course you trick or treat. Uh, of course you take your kids trick or treating. Like why, why, why would you even waste a podcast talking about this? Uh, and for others of you who are podcast listeners and dad tired and part of the dad tired community, uh, and you love Jesus, you would equally say like, how in the world, you know, of course, why would you even ask this question? Uh, of course you don't, uh, celebrate Halloween. It's the holiday of the devil. And, uh, maybe you wouldn't say something that extreme, but something to the, that effect, like of, of course, you know, we, 
it's evil. It's got evil stuff written all over. It's dark. Like, why would we celebrate Halloween? And so some of you, not a ton, but some of you, and I've got this question asked in the past, like, Jared, do you celebrate Halloween? Do you take your kids trick-or-treating? And the short answer is yes, I do. I um, To say celebrate Halloween might be a little bit like, uh, we don't have like skeletons in our lawn, uh, you know, but we carve pumpkins and there's a pumpkin on our fireplace mantle and our kids will uh, wear their homemade costumes. Cause if you didn't listen to the last couple podcasts, you know, I'm trying real hard to get out of debt and save money, lead my family financially. So we're making homemade costumes this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, so we, we wear our homemade costumes and we go trick or treating and uh, throw away 99% of the candy. So our kids don't go insane and get tons of cavities. Uh, but Nonetheless, we participate in Halloween, and I'll tell you why. Uh, for some of you that don't celebrate Halloween, that that may have just been like kind of a shock to you. Like Jared, you say you're a pastor, you're leading people towards Jesus. Uh, how in the world can you participate in Halloween? How could you promote that? And again, for others of you on the other side of the spectrum, you love Jesus too, but you're just like, of course you celebrate Halloween. I've never even thought to not celebrate it. Let me talk for just like one minute about Halloween, and then talk even more, like step back even further and kind of given an even bigger answer to, I think, what we're actually asking and what we're actually wrestling with. For those of you that are wrestling with this, if you're not wrestling with this, I, I promise you that this podcast, the, the this episode, the thoughts that I have, I think will be helpful towards you and just your following Jesus and your journey as a husband and as a dad and as a man of your home, trying to lead your home spiritually. I want to cover all of that today, but we'll start with this, with the topic of Halloween. So whenever we address any anything in scripture, any any uh, issue that could have some kind of controversy in it or where there's divisiveness. Uh, first, you don't want to hear Jared's opinion or grandma's opinion, like whatever. You, you, you want to hear what the word of God says, what Jesus says. And I always come back to like, well, what does scripture say? What does Jesus say? What did Jesus talk about? What did Jesus get passionate about? I want to be passionate about, about the same things that Jesus was passionate about. And I don't want to be passionate about, about things that Jesus is not passionate about. That's really how I live my life. I know that that sounds like overly simple in general, and maybe I'm just uh, really simple of a guy and maybe too simple. I don't know, but uh, I read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I see what was Jesus passionate about. And those are the things that I want to be really passionate about. And if he wasn't passionate about something, then honestly, I don't want to be super passionate about it. I don't want to go on kind of create something that uh, I can get all excited about and this this hill that I'll die on or the sword that I'll fall on, whatever you want to say. Uh, I, I don't want to do that when really Jesus, like he he wasn't talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I want to be excited about what Jesus was excited about. And I'm not going to get excited about things that Jesus were not excited about it. So the first thing we do when we think of Halloween or any divisive issues, we look at scripture, like what does scripture say? What uh, And the scripture doesn't talk about Halloween specifically, but uh, so we look at script, like what is God's character? And again, we can always pull verses out of context. You can make a very strong argument as to why you should not celebrate Halloween by pulling verses out of scripture, out of, out of context. Um, you could easily do that and vice versa. You could easily make an argument that you absolutely should put skeletons in your lawn and have a haunted house in your garage. <laughs> 
Um, there's a really funny John Chris, John Chris, the Christian comedian, uh, who I'm supposed to have on the podcast, but it, he like stopped getting a hold of me. So if you're a John Chris fan, message him, tell him like, dude, we want you on the Dad Tire podcast. He was on, and then he had to reschedule, and he haven't got a hold of him. Anyway, he does a really funny like bit on Halloween decorations in people's yards. It's hilarious. Um, but anyway, so you can make the argument that like, yes, I should be fully engaged in Halloween stuff, and and you could even pull scripture out of context and to kind of make that argument. And that's really the dangerous place to be in scripture. And we do this all the time as Christians. We love to cherry pick verses uh, and try to like build our arguments. And so what's the safest thing that we can do is look at what God is doing throughout all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. God is giving us glimpses of his character. And if you pull any one, even book and especially verse out of its context, you will create uh, for yourself a God that is not in scripture. Uh, and you can use the Bible to do that. And it's a really, really dangerous game. So what we must do is look at look at God throughout the entire scripture, Genesis to Revelation. And this is why reading scripture is so important and reading scripture in context is so important. We're trying to figure out who is God in all of scripture, not just who is God in Exodus and who is God in Psalm and who is God in Mark and who is God in Revelation. Because listen, if you took any of those, like just by itself, who is God in Exodus versus who is God in Revelation versus who is God in Matthew. Like, dude, you would have all kinds of different views of who God is. But you take the whole narrative of scripture, all of Genesis through Revelation, and you really start to learn who is God and his character. What is What are some themes that we see throughout all of scripture? And we get a much better and clearer understanding of who God is, what his character is like, and what he's trying to do in us and around the world. And so when you do that, when you when you look back, okay, what is, what is God doing in all of Scripture? We see that God is always sending people. God is a God who sends people from the very first pages of Scripture all the way through the end of the Bible. God is always sending people. He's sending people out. Uh, we see this in Abraham. God tells Abraham or Abram at the time, go to a place that I'm sending you. Uh, and and basically then starts his starts his promises and I will uh, make you fruitful you will multiply you will be the father of many nations but what God is doing is he isn't just saying like stay where you are but he's saying I'm going to send you to a place where you've never been I'm going to send you to eventually be part of a people who will be light to the world you will be you will show off to the world you will be God's people you will show the world what it's like to live under my design. That's That was the very first call of Abram, which later turned into Abraham. God was sending Abraham to start his people, which became the Israelite people and essentially the entire Old Testament. We see guys like Jonah being sent. Uh, go to Nineveh and tell the people the, the about my message. Tell them that I love them. Tell them the good news of God. Uh, and Jonah obviously says, I don't want to go. I don't want to be sent. He tries to run in the opposite direction of God. He doesn't want to show the same kind of grace that he's been shown uh, and instead wants to rebel and do his own thing. But God is sending people. He's sending people. Jesus in the scriptures in the New Testament, he's sending his disciples. He's telling them, okay, now go. Like it, Literally in their like disciple training, he was only with them for three and a half years. But in his three and a half years, he's telling them to go and to proclaim the good news. And he's giving them them instructions on what it looks like to go. I mean, Jesus himself, the fact that he was in heaven and then God sent him to earth uh, to make right what, what had been made into a mess, 
Instead of just God saying, like, I'm going to go do my own thing, he sends himself into the problem. He moves into the ghetto, right? Like, so if God is uh, enjoying all the benefits of heaven, all the, the, the beauty of heaven, there's no sin, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no darkness, everything is awesome. Jesus is like chilling in heaven. He's, he's good. There's no reason for him to step outside of it. He recognizes, like, I am in literally the best place that I could possibly be. And yet, he is sent to the ghetto, to the, to the brokenness, to the messiness of humanity to make right what had been our mess. He fixes our mess. This is the whole good news of the gospel is that God steps into our mess to redeem us, to make us new, to make things right again. God himself is a sent one. He sends himself to fix the problem. He doesn't watch the problem from afar. He doesn't protect himself from broken and messy people. God himself engages with broken and messy people. He gets involved. We see this all throughout scripture where God is getting involved. Jesus himself is one of the greatest examples of that. And then Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go into all the nations. Go throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I mean, Jesus himself, you can, you can see where I'm like going. I'm getting passionate. I apologize if I'm sounding like preachy here. But Jesus himself, even his reputation was being known as a drunken, like a drunkard uh, and a glutton. <laughs> Jesus was accused of being a drunken and a glutton because he ate and drank with sinners so much. That was his reputation. The reputation of our God was that this guy is always drunk and he's always eating. That's crazy. Like you, you look at the reputation of Buddha, you look at the reputation of Muhammad, you look at the reputation of any other major world religious leader, and they're not being called drunks and gluttons. <laughs> Our God, the God that we serve, is called a drunk and a glutton because he's always engaging himself in the bro- most broken and most messy places of this earth. Crazy. So when we ask ourselves, do we, what do we do as God's people? We look to the scripture. Scripture shows that God is always sending. He's always sending people to go. And most of the time, if not all the time, God is always sending them to go into the most broken and the most messy and to the most hurting places of culture. And Jesus said something crazy. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God says that, Jesus says that I am the perfect embodiment of God the Father, which is crazy for us. Everything we want to know about God can be found in Jesus. Think about that. Everything we want to know about God can be found in Jesus. That's what Jesus was saying. You want to see God, look at me. Everything we want to know about God can be found in Jesus. So we look to Jesus, like what did Jesus do? Not what did your grandma do, not did what your youth group do, not did what your, your, your mom or dad do, what did, not what your church did when you were growing up. What did Jesus do? What would Jesus do if he were here in 2017 in Halloween, October 31st in 2017? What would Jesus do based on what we know of who God is throughout scripture? Based on what we see Jesus, who he says, if you want to know about God, you see God in me. The way that God would live is the way that Jesus is living. And throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, 
Okay, so we know that God is in person, Jesus, the way that God would operate, the, God would, that would, the way that God would live as a human is Jesus. And so we ask ourselves, how would God live? How does Jesus live? And we see him being called a drunken. We see him called, being called a glutton. We see him stepping into the most broken and messy places of culture. And so I think it's a safe to assume that if Jesus were here, he would engage with Halloween. He would probably be trick-or-treating. I don't know what he would be as a costume. (laughs) Uh, Jesus, maybe. I don't don't know what he would be. Uh, But I think that God, I think that Jesus would fully engage in Halloween. Now, here's the thing. Do I think that he would have like skeletons? And do I think that he would do, uh, you know, haunted houses in his garage during Halloween? Probably not. Because here's what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't just going into the the brokenness of the world so that he could have fun. And I don't think Jesus would engage with Halloween so that he could have fun. I think that Jesus was always going into the brokenness of the world because the light shined the brightest in the darkest places. He would go into the most broken, into the most messy areas of humanity because he knew that he could show off the most. He could show off what the kingdom was was like. He could show off what his glory was like. He could show off what his goodness was like. He could. There would be sharp contrast between brokenness and darkness and his glory and the light of the kingdom. It was sharp contrast between the darkness and brokenness of this world and the beauty and the light and the goodness of his kingdom. Jesus wasn't just going into broken and messy places so he could have fun. Listen, Jesus wasn't trying to like be called a drunken and a glutton because he really loved to eat and he liked to be like around alcohol. Jesus wanted to be around broken and messy people because he knew he could show them a better way of living. And so Jesus mixed it up, not for his own fun, but for his own glory and for the good of the people that he was with. And so we ask ourselves, as followers of Jesus, do we engage in Halloween? Do we engage in the broken and messy areas of our world? Of course we do, because that's what our king did. And that's what he taught us to do as as his followers, as his disciples, as little Jesus people. If Jesus were living as Jared in Sherwood, Oregon in 2017, I think he would take his kids trick-or-treating, not because he's trying to be cool or relevant to the culture, but because he wants to step into the brokenness of culture and show light he wants to contrast what it looks like for the, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom uh, of his glory and his good and the kingdom of heaven. Now, this does not mean that as, as I go trick-or-treating, I'm going to hold a picket sign and I'm going to like say, you're all going to hell, you sinners. This is a wicked holiday and you can thank God that I'm out here telling you about it. That is not how Jesus would engage. That's not what he was trying to do when I say con- contrast the brokenness to his glory. Remember, Jesus was a friend of sinners, a friend. He wasn't an enemy. He wasn't the Debbie Downer at the party. He was a friend. But again, not so he could just have fun and make friends, but so he could show them what the kingdom of God is like, so that he could show them what God was like. Jesus became friends to show them the kingdom. Man, that's good news. I'm getting excited. <laughs> that's good news. And that's what Jesus tells us to do. And so here's what this looks like for us and our family. Halloween's a dark, twisted holiday, of course. There's people around my corner on my street that this is, I feel like I'm embarrassed to even say this. There's people on my, just down the street from us who 
decorate their whole lawn for Halloween, whatever, do whatever you want to do. But they literally have like bloody hanging babies from their tree. Like it's dark. It's dark. Like we, we literally avoid the fastest route home so that we don't have to pass by their house when we have the kids in the car because it's so dark and twisted and morbid and there's nothing about the kingdom there. And so what we do one year, we, do, we just did this last year when, when it was Halloween. What we wanted to do was we, uh, we have a little projector. So we projected a movie, um, some like cute, like I, I think it was like a, um, uh, what are those called? Like Snoop, not Snoopy. Uh, darn it. I'm totally blanking. Oh, it's going to kill me. I'm going to think of it as soon as I hit stop on this recording. So we projected a movie. Um, gosh, it's killing me. What the heck was Charlie Brown? Like a Charlie Brown Halloween. There it is. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if the Lord actually gave me that, but thank God that I got it. (laughs) Um, We we projected this like Charlie Brown Halloween movie on the, the garage. And then we also had the best candy bars. Like, and again, this is not so that we can just be the cool neighbors. Our goal is how do we bring light? How do we bring things of the kingdom into what would normally be dark areas? And so uh, we engage in Halloween. We don't want to be the ones that turn off our lights and sit in our house and like avoid people coming to our door. If we're going to go trick-or-treating, we're going to mix it up with our neighbors. We're going to get to know our neighbors. We're going to engage with what they're engaging with. Um, and the other thing is uh, when they come to us, man, we want, we want to show them like we've been saved by the greatest news of all time. We have a lot worth celebrating. So come hang out with us. Come have fun with us. Come enjoy us because we have joy in the one who saved us. And so we project a movie and the, the whole point of that is that we'll get our neighbors and the kids to stop and it forces them to stop. It's like a trick. It's like a Jesus juke trick. <laughs> It's like a Jesus trap. We trap them in our driveway by watching the movie. Uh, It stops them. And then when we give the best candy, now their parents are like stopped. I've had friends who barbecue on their their front uh, porch or patio. And they're just giving out free food to the parents. Uh, so they're giving candy away and then also have like really good like chicken and stuff. So when when the parents are coming through, they can also stop. But the whole point is that they're they're getting good stuff, like good gifts, because we serve a father who gives us the best gift, salvation. But we're also stopping to mix it up to show them like, man, we have a lot of joy. And we pray that, we hope that, Matthew 5, 15 and 16, that we would let our light shine before men, that they would see our good works and that one day they would glorify glorify God who's in heaven. That's the whole point. So yes, I engage in Halloween. I dress my kids up. I will walk around the neighborhood. I will give away candy. And I do this for the glory of God so that my neighbors might see the light, the joy that's inside of me, that it would contrast against the darkness that they see in culture. And that one day they might give God our father who is in heaven, that they would give him glory by seeing any good works that are in us. So that's my encouragement to you, bros, like engage, don't be afraid, don't be Jonah and run away from it, but engage with what God is doing in the culture. He's going to save people regardless. God, God is, doesn't need you. He could use the rocks. He could use the stinking piece of candy to talk to your kids about himself. He can do whatever he wants, but God wants to use you. He wants you to step in with your family into the darkest areas of the world for their good and for his glory. He wants to partner with you. God is so relational that he wants to do, he wants to redeem the world with you. Think about how crazy that is. God wants to redeem the world and he wants to use you to be part of that. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. Um, 
Man, I, you know what? I actually had like a bunch of other stuff that I want to say, but we're like done on time. Uh, let me just, I'll give you these thoughts. I can't really, I don't have time to unpack them, but here's what I would say. Um, we, as followers of Jesus, we, and again, my whole point was to like talk about Halloween for one minute and then move on to what it means to be missionaries outside of Halloween. And we didn't get to that. Um, so here, here are my thoughts on this. Um, we are sent people. If we are followers of Jesus, Jesus is sending us. And so as followers of Jesus, we should always be asking ourselves two things. Number one, where is God sending me? And number two, how do I engage with the people that he's sending me to? How do I engage with the people there? Uh, and so on the first one, where is God sending me? Uh, well, for right now, it's where you woke up. Wherever you woke up today, God is sending you there. So if you woke up in your town, if you woke up in another town, if you're on a business trip, it doesn't matter where, wherever you woke up, God has sent you to proclaim his good news, to contrast the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light, with the kingdom of heaven, his glory. And he has sent you, you are a sent one for his, for the good of the people around you, salt and light, that you would add flavor to the life of people around you, that you would bring light into darkness. God has sent you there for that, for their good and for his glory. So wherever you woke up, God sent you there. And for tomorrow, you don't know where you'll wake up tomorrow. You don't know what five years from now holds. Maybe God does want you to move to Africa or China and wherever. If you live in Africa and China and you're listening to this, the Middle East, come here. We need missionaries in America to like teach us what it means to be followers of Jesus. Um, wherever you're at. God has sent you right there, but begin to pray like, God, where are you sending our family? Is it a different neighborhood? Is it a different, do we want to reach like the rich white people in our culture? Or maybe we need to move to a different area that's maybe lower class or are below the poverty level. I don't know where God's sending you, but wherever you woke up today is where God sent you. And then you begin to pray, God, where do you want me to wake up tomorrow? And by tomorrow, I mean five years, 10 years, 15 years from now. And you begin to prepare yourself just as a missionary would prepare themselves to go to another other country, uh, you begin to prepare yourself for what God's stirring in your heart for where he wants to send you later. You may be sent to that same neighborhood you live in right now for the rest of your life. Praise God. We need missionaries like that. But you may be sent somewhere far, whether that's around the neighborhood, around the block, to a different neighborhood, a different city, or a whole different country. God may prepare be preparing your heart to send you. And so get prepared. Uh, pray fast, get out of debt, do what you need to do to be sent well. Uh, the second thing I would say, I know I'm flying through this because time's sake, uh, how do we re interact with the people he sent us to? And again, you're a missionary where God sent you. And so you think through, like as a missionary, if God sent me to, to for for easy example sake, let's say God sent me to Mexico. Like we knew God was sending me, all right, Jared, I want you to go be a, a missionary in Mexico. Tell, mix it up with the Mexican people and tell them that they need uh, Jesus and bring good news to Jesus, uh, of Jesus to them. And, and so what I would, it would be foolish of me to think, I, I probably don't really need to like speak Spanish. Like that, that would be foolishness to say that. Uh, if I want to engage with the people in Mexico, I need to learn the language. I need to learn the culture. I need to learn uh, what they like to eat and where they like to celebrate and all the things that they like to do so that I can actually be a friend to the people that I'm trying to be on mission to, that I can start to speak the language that they speak, not just literal language like Spanish, but that I would speak the way that they speak, that I would value the things that they value. And in the same way, you are sent wherever you are, if it's your neighborhood, 
Begin to learn the language of your neighborhood and of your culture so that you would be able to speak the things that they speak, that you would be able to um, value the things that you value, whatever their problems are, your problems. Um, so as a sent one, you start to think to yourself, okay, where is God sending me? And number two, how do I engage with what God is doing there? How do I engage with the people where he's sending me to? This is called being a missiologist. You are studying the people that you have been sent to. You learn everything there is to know. And that's whether you live in an affluent uh, city in America or you live in the, the slums uh, of India. Uh, you study the people that God has sent you to so that you can be most effective for his glory. I love you guys. Thank you. If you made it this far, thanks for hanging around. I pray that as you, if you're listening to, listening to this before Halloween, I hope you have a great Halloween, not just for the sake of having fun, but I pray that you get an opportunity. I pray that you would pray to get an opportunity where you would get to share light in the midst of darkness. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging out. Later. Later.